All right. Acts chapter 27. Take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 27. Timing of this message is not in, in relation to the hurricane, although it will apply just as readily. Several people uh, have commented, and if you're a Christian, if you know anything about the Bible, you know things are happening, and we're more aware than ever of things happening all over the world. And uh, Christians don't freak out. I mean, the, the news will wear you out, but Christians don't freak out. You know what we do? We look up. It's happening just like Jesus said it would. And it hadn't gotten bad yet. But there's three words I want to focus on this morning. Acts chapter 27 and verse 25. Acts 27, 25. Paul in the ship that's sinking, surrounded by men who've lost hope, says these words. Acts 27, 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I want to tell you about what a Christian's faith looks like in a storm, okay? Now, uh, faith is not what you believe about God. Most people believe He exists. If I went down my street and I said, do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Most people believe He exists. Only a fool says there's no God. It's kind of funny. All these universities are turning out fools. And they're not, they're not, they're not, uh, educating, they're destroying. Only a fool says there's no God. You have to intensely educate somebody that there's no design to this universe. Most people will believe in a place called heaven. I have not talked to anybody yet who said, I don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> Most everybody will believe in heaven. Most people here in Ireland have memorized the Apostles' Creed. And they memorize dozens and dozens of prayers. But the same people who can rattle off 50 prayers don't know how to trust God. Don't know any of His promises in the Bible. Especially in times of disaster and problems. What is faith? Faith is when you just trust God. And a story is when you're just able to say, I believe God. Weathermen may say something, the politician may say something else, uh, the, the, um, the doctor may say something, but when faith steps in, it's you believe God. In every stormy situation, it's not the long list of things you may claim to believe. I believe quite a few things. I've learned a lot of things from the Bible that I believe. But you know, those, that list is not what I need when I'm in a storm. I don't need my list versus your list. Are you listening? Of things to believe. I need to believe God. I need to know He's there. I need to know that He's in control. I need to know that He's almighty. I need to know that He loves me. I need God. Faith is when you just trust God. Now, I'll show you what I mean when I say trusting God because Paul summarizes his entire belief system in three words. I believe God. Let's encourage ourselves this morning to do the same. Father, we bow before you, already blessed by today, already glad that we can stop everything, gather together, fellowship for a while, and then sit at Jesus' feet. Let us listen to him as he teaches through the life of Paul how to trust him. Not just believe in him. The devils believe in God. May we trust him especially in the storms. There are plenty of people who go through storm after storm after storm and their faith struggles. I'm glad, Father, you're above the storm. I'm glad you are mightier than the storm. I'm glad you are everything we need. But may it be true in somebody's life this morning that he'd be all they need. Let somebody get born again, please. Let every Christian in this room decide, you know what? I believe a lot of things, but today, I believe God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, by way of background, there's several chapters here. From chapter 21 to 27, Paul is a great man of God. Don't get the idea that Paul is this haphazard kind of guy that keeps keeps falling into sin. He's a man of God. He's spirit-filled. He's doing exactly what God called him to do. He is going from town to town and city to city, 
preaching the good news, telling people they can be saved, telling them, compelling them to turn to Christ and to to uh, to live for God instead of living for false idols. And he's he's going from town to town, starting churches and building families and getting people baptized and getting people active serving God. But that got him in a lot of trouble. You wouldn't think it, but just preaching can get you in a lot of trouble. We find him in Acts chapter 27 when he says, I believe God, his hands are in chains. He's in a ship that is sinking. He's a prisoner headed for Rome. He has been already over the last several years of his life up until this point, he has been trampled by an angry mob. He has been physically beaten. One time, the high priest sent a guy to go over and punch him in the mouth right out in front of everybody. Paul standing there without any free course to punch back. He's been abused for years now. He's been lied about. Forty men set set themselves aside. They vowed that they would not eat or drink until they killed Paul. That's the kind of enemies he made. Here he's been in prison since Acts chapter 21. He was first imprisoned in Jerusalem, moved to Caesarea. And now, while he was there, he was ignored for two years. Now he's been shipped off to Rome. Through it all, Paul's been faithful. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that when when the bottom drops out, I kept my faith. I wish I could say when the storms blew that I didn't just wonder where was God. I wish I could say that. wish I didn't have the failures of the human heart, but I do. But you know what? Paul, as an example, he stayed faithful. He stayed busy. I mean, if he was... Uh, in chains to soldiers, guess what? He had a captive audience to witness to. When he was in a ship full of sail, uh, sh- a ship, ship full of prisoners and other sailors, he preached. When he was, uh, uh, wherever he was, he was faithful to God's call. Here he is placed in a ship and he's still in chains. He is a prisoner amongst 275 other prisoners and hardened criminals and sailors. And Paul is headed into the worst storm of his life. Let me make a statement here, because when we go through a storm, the first thing we think, and it's not a bad thing to think, the first thing we think is that, oop, what have I done? Oop, I probably deserve this, okay? But don't believe that your circumstances always mean that you're a failure. Boy, I tell you, the devil would love to drive it in when there's a problem, when when, when part of your family is going through through a, a valley, or when you're going through a valley, you start to imagine, I'm a failure. And you may be, amen. <laughs> but the worst thing is you start to figure, maybe God's a failure too. Don't believe that. Paul here demonstrates that storms and our problems are disasters or opportunities where we not just believe in God, but we trust Him. So there are four belief systems at work in every storm you go through. I'm not talking about the belief system you have when all the money's coming in. I'm not talking about the belief that you have when everything's smooth sailing, the wind's soft, and the skies are blue. Don't tell me about your faith then. I want to know about your faith when the sky is dark. I want to know about your faith when the ship is sinking. You see, there are four belief systems that we all have when we head into a storm. One is the belief in self. I'll talk about these more in a second. Then we'll move to believing in ships. I'll explain that in a second as well. Then we move to believing in sweat. But there's one place you better get to before it's too late and before you finally sink, and that is believing a Savior. And Paul and these men watch as all four of these faiths all are put to the test. And I, I wonder which one will last. Because faith is only as good as what or who you're trusting in. Let me say that again. Faith is only as good as who or what you're trusting in. I can have faith in a chair. I can have faith in a in an organization. I can have faith in a government. What a waste. I can have faith in, in a priest. I can have faith. Listen, your faith is only as good as who or what you're trusting in. Better make sure you're trusting the right Savior. First belief, Acts chapter 27, verse 1. As I said, let's start here in verse 1. We'll read five and uh, 1 to 5, and then I'll tell you about the belief in self. 
And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, so they headed to Rome, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band, Augustus Caesar. Entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. The next day we touched at Sidon, they docked at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So he was a prisoner, he's given liberty for a little bit to go and refresh himself, say hello, verse 4. And when we had launched from thence, so they got back into the, into the boat, they launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were, what's the next word? Contrary. So already the storm is starting. But so they, they come under Cyprus trying to keep the land between them and the coming storm. Verse 5, and when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. So just stopping there, I want you to see the, the, the faith that these men had at first. The belief in self is the belief that you've got this. You don't need religion. You don't need God. You don't need prayer. You don't need anything besides just yourself at the moment. This is what, this is, this is what most every self-help book teaches. They start off saying, there is an inner light in you. Discover that inner light. Tap into that uh, that incredible power that's just resting in you. All you need is you. Well, you've got a centurion. You've got a ship owner here. You've got a, a ship full of sailors who believe that they can sail all the way to Rome. And it's quite a distance. They've got the ship they want. And if they don't have the right kind of ship, they can always park and get another one. That's how they think. They've got seasoned sailors. These are Mediterranean mariners who know the, the shipping trade routes. All the prisoners are restrained and contained. They're not going to get loose. Everything's under control. They've chosen their course. They've made their own decisions. They have their own experience. These were not, these were not men who were facing into an unknown. They knew the Mediterranean Sea. They had no need for God, could they have themselves. Now you gotta understand, these guys may be pagans. They may have all us, all sorts of gods, but you know, I found all religious people, and even some Christians, when push comes to shove, their real God is themselves. And when themselves lets them down, they go down. So here they go, they board on that ship, and they start their journey to Rome, and they are fully confident they, they, they have no idea what they're going into. They believe themselves. Verse 6. Watch the ship now. Verse 6. There, in that, little, in that little town called Myra, a city of Lycia, there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. At first they were going to Italy, but they found out this ship was not going to be strong enough. That little storm out there that was brewing seemed a little bit too big for this little ship. So they trade in the ship. Are you with me? And he put us therein. So they moved into a new ship. And when they had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, not allowing us to go any further, we sailed under Crete. When it says under, they didn't go underground, okay? It's just, it's just sailor talk, meaning they went on the south side of the island against the north wind. They sailed under uh, Crete over against Salmone and hardly passing it. it. It took them a lot of effort to get past it. They came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lysia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast, the Passover fast, uh, was now already past, Paul admonished them, verse 10, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. We're in danger. I can sense it. I believe everybody could sense it. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed what? The centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Because really, you had one guy's opinion. You feel like we're in danger. The master of the ship, the owner of the ship says, nah, no danger. The ship is rock solid. You understand? That owner of that ship is ready to go into that storm because he believes in the ship. Are you with me? That owner, and really, the centurion trusts the owner because he knows that that owner would never put 
the means of his income at risk. So that owner's got to be a smart guy to have this huge ship that can carry 276 people. That's a big ship. If he believes we'll get through this storm, I trust him. I trust that ship. Are you listening? The second belief here that is shown is a belief in the ship. Now, they all see the storm coming. They see the winds blowing. They see the, the rain starting to, to drizzle around them. The waves begin to pick up. Way out at sea was some sort of a storm. They had no idea what was out there. Remember, they had no satellite. They were to tell them Hurricane Irma was coming. So they moved everybody into a bigger ship. They just said, let's get this big ship. And the owner says, we can ride it out. It's a bigger ship, a stronger ship. No problem. So off they sailed. But they barely got to the island of Crete, where they quickly pulled in. Now, just for a map, you've got this in the back of your Bible. Most Bibles have the maps of Paul's journeys. This is Paul's final journey, where he leaves from He's taken from Jerusalem up to Caesarea. Caesarea, they get out in that little boat. They, they sail along the coast up to Sidon and then along around this island called Cyprus and then they land at Myra. Dennis, I don't know if that's the same Myra as your Myra, but landed in Myra and they changed to a larger ship and now they start to head towards Crete. When they come to Crete, the wind is blowing from the north and so they have to go on the south side and they finally end up at the Fair Havens. There they are. They barely got to the island of Crete, and Paul stands up, he warns everybody, like any good preacher should. God, give us some men who will stand up and say what needs to be said, instead of we're worrying about what everybody feels, and about everybody being offended, and about everybody wanting to have their safe place. Paul knows what's ahead, he can sense it. And you know, a Christian can sense some things the world can't sense. You can sense, we ought not to go in here. You can sense, I shouldn't watch that. You know that, folks. He warns them of an approaching trouble. He's concerned, and folks, believe me, he's concerned about the souls of these men. Even though they're criminals, even though they may be executed by Caesar, he doesn't want to see them die in a storm. And no Christian wants anybody to face God in, in, in judgment. Nobody wants anybody to die in such a trouble. You know, it's funny. No one listened. You ever given somebody the gospel and they just look at you? I speak in English, you know. <laughs> and, and Paul was totally ignored. As a matter of fact, he just, they just figured he's a Jewish crackpot. One of those Jesus freaks, you know. So they had a big powwow. They said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the centurion looks to the ship owner. The ship owner says, I believe in the ship. And the centurion says, I'll take your faith. Amen. You know, listen, you may have grown up with mom and dad. You may have grown up with your grandparents. You may be trusting in their faith, but you may be wrong. Amen. Not everybody says that they believe in something is right. Don't you take my faith. Don't you trust in my God. You better trust in God yourself. Here, that centurion's trusting in the faith of that owner of that ship in his ship. I can imagine that so, that owner looking at those sailors going, it's a good ship, isn't it? <laughs> and they're all going, yeah, yeah, it's a good ship. And you know what's funny? I have to go back to this picture for a second. They're here at Fair Havens. They decide in just a few minutes when the storm gets so bad that they're going to get out into the sea and then just end up in Phoenix. It's called Phoenix here. They're just going to go about 30 miles and then go into a bigger port and there wait out the storm. They have the best of intentions. The ship can at least go that far. Are you with me? I mean, it's a little hop. So, headed out to sea in that bigger, stronger, solid ship. But their faith was about to be severely tested and fail. Verse 14. Well, let's, let me, I didn't finish this. I have, forgive me. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master. Verse 12. Because the haven was not commodious to winter in. That's a good old word. Just wasn't safe to winter in. The more part, they took a vote, advised to depart thence also, if by many, any means they might attain to Phoenice. 
and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. It's just on the other side of the island. So verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. Oh boy, now they're trusting in the wind. <laughs> they loosing fence, they sail close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind. Right in hurricane. <laughs> called Eurocliden, or Eurocliden, some people call it. And when the ship was caught in that wind and could not bear up into the wind, we let her dry. That's a good verse for when your teenage daughter gets behind the wheel. We let her drive. Amen. <laughs> and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat to control the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands. They strake sail and were so driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with the temple, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all what? Hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Tell me, how was the boat handling it? The boat is coming apart. The thing that they're trusting in ain't working out. So what do they got to do? They got to work now. You see, every belief that they had was being stretched beyond their imagination. They'd never imagined how bad a storm could get. So this was a nightmare for them. Every confidence they had in themselves, in, in that ship, in the, in the, in the, in the weather, in the, um, in the owner of that ship, it's all lost. All hope was gone. Are you with me? Every belief was now shattered. Ship crumbling under their feet. This was a crazy situation. You gotta understand. They turned to desperation. Now, I don't know how desperate you think it is, but when it says undergirding, can, can you imagine if I took Gavin here? I've always used Gavin. Gavin, stand up here for a second. Put your Bible over there. All right. Gavin's been volunteered. Nobody ever volunteers for what I'm about to do. They say the ship is falling apart. Here is a rope. Wrap it around your waist. Wrap it around your waist. He's very disobedient. All right. All right, guys, help me out. You're going overboard. When you go overboard, dive. Go under the ship and come up on the other side, climb up, and we'll take the rope and then do it again. <laughs> and they were wrapping that ship with rope. Why do you think they were doing that? Because they didn't like you. <laughs> Why do you think they were tightening that ship together? Why were they doing that? Because it's falling apart. The very thing that they were trusting in was falling apart. Thank you. I want to tell you, every day in Ireland, Catholic religion falls apart. And I meet people who are doing everything they can to hold it together. Amen. Amen. Every day, people, their religious systems, their faith. I mean, I've seen people get so angry when you show them something that is so false and such a lie about evolution. And you know what they do? They go into desperate moves to hold evolution together just in case God could still be there. You know, when your, when your thing that you've been trusting starts to fall apart, you quickly run to hold it together. That ought to tell you, that's not what you should be believing in. Amen. So they turn to sweat now. Their only hope is going to be if they work themselves to death. So that ship is sinking. Those guys are drowning. They are trying to hold everything together. And it's all about them now. It's all about their work. They stripped it down. This ship, what was used to be full of cargo, used to be full of furniture. They chucked it overboard. They've thrown everything they can imagine. Everything's not nailed down. They're chucking overboard just to make sure the ship holds up under the water. You know, when you start believing in your works, if you start to believe that you got to be good enough to stand before God and to be accepted by God, you will work yourself to uh, exasperation. You will burn yourself out, folks. Because you're believing in sweat now. There are people who, the first believe it in self, they believe, I'm good enough. 
There are people who say, you know, when I die, I'm going to go right up to God and give him a piece of my mind. They believe in themselves. Then there are those who say, I believe in the church. I believe in my priest. I believe in uh, our Lord's mother. I believe in, I believe in, I believe, I believe. But when push comes to shove and trouble comes in their life, they get busy working. And I mean, they work themselves almost to death. Do you think it'll work out? Do you think God's going to let... Now, some storms are different. Do you think this storm, God's going to allow them to come through and say, see, I just need to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I just need to live by the sweat of my brow and everything's going to be all right. That's an idiot. I was watching somebody in Florida there yet last night. A man had sent his wife in the car and she went up north to be with the kids after that hurricane coming. And that man sitting there trying to tie down his house and everything. And the reporter saying, what are you still doing here? He says, I don't want to go. American. <laughs> the guy says, don't you realize there's 150 mile an hour winds and storm surge. The water's going to be above your head, going to wash away. He says, I'll be okay. <laughs> That's the same kind of arrogance as these men. Amen. Trusting in himself. He says, well, if it gets really bad, I'll go into the bathroom. That's what he said. <laughs> I said, I'd have diarrhea too, but I'd rather have diarrhea up north than in that storm. <laughs> I'd find myself in the bathroom. That's not always the safest place. Fourth belief is in the Savior. Look at verse 21. But after long absence, sometimes, folks, God just has you sit there and everybody frantic and they're wondering what to do, what to do. You need to choose the right time to speak up. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, he should have hearkened unto me. <laughs> you love it, don't you? I told you so. And have not loosed from Crete and have to gain this harm and loss. And now I exhort you. That's preaching. I urge you. I'm just not talking to you. I'm not teaching you. I'm exhorting you to be of good cheer. To have faith. Not in yourselves. Not in the ship. Not in your sweat now. I wonder what the faith is going to be moved to. Be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. I can imagine the owner going, (gasps) (laughs) For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Say it, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. So where does Paul tell of his faith is? It's in a Savior. And I mean a Savior, somebody who can save him. Here's one single guy, a Bible believer, a Jesus follower. That's how they mock you. I mean, when I got saved and I started witnessing on the job, they called me the preacher. At first, I was offended. And then I thought, well, maybe I am. <laughs> Give it to him. You know, and they say, you're a Jesus follower. Thank God. Who are you following? <laughs> Amen. Oh, he stands up. He calls on everyone to just trust God. And remember, he's asking everybody to trust God in the storm. I tell you what, everybody wants to blame God when trouble hits. Calls everybody to trust him in the storm. You know what? Paul's out of the will of God. Now, I don't mean he's out of the will of God because he's a rebel. He's out of the will of God because he's not getting to Rome. This ship might sink. He says, God's will for me is to go to Rome and preach. Amen? And he's looking at them going, you guys are keeping me from God's will. (laughs) We need to believe God. You know, when you find yourself out of the will of God, when you find yourself in trouble, when you find yourself somebody else has pushed you out of the will of God, you know what you need to say? I need to get back and believing in God. And I need to get everybody around me believing in God. And he'll get us back on course. There's no human hope. There's no expectation of anything changing. And yet Paul says, I don't care whether I see sunrise, sunset, if I see a sun rays, I still believe God. The example is, and I'm going to be clear, this is a, this is a storm situation. But what about when you sit in that hospital and you have a dangerous wound that won't heal? 
The doctors can't get the infection under control. And they're shaking their heads and the nurses are coming in and they're taking off bandages and the pus is just coming out like nobody's business. You know what you need? You need to believe God. You need to start praying and say, Lord, I want to do your will. This thing is keeping me from doing your will. Help me to do your will. I'll just believe you will get me there. I believe you'll get me through. Amen. That's what it means to believe God. Believing God doesn't keep you always from having the trouble, having the disaster. Belief for belief in God is when you're in that disaster. Are you going to stay faithful? You see, Christian faith stands up. Stands up and says, hey, I've got something to say. God is still on the throne. This storm is not bigger than God. Our trouble has a purpose. And I believe it had a great purpose. I don't believe it was wasted. I don't believe it was just a passing storm with, with some insignificant people about to perish. I believe God had this happen so that we could read about it 2,000 years later and it still changed our lives. He calls everyone to trust God. And this is what the Christian faith is. Are you ready? Is Paul had no confidence in his education. He was not telling them to have confidence in their race or their wealth have courage or have religion. He was not having any confidence in himself or in his willpower. You know, a Christian has no confidence in himself. Doesn't sit there and say, oh, I can do this or I can do that. You know what? We say, if the Lord wills. If God helps me, I'll get it done. You know what it is, however? It is faith in Jesus Christ and his power and his promises. End of story. Hebrews 10.23. Hold your place here and go to Hebrews 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. You profess to believe something? Hold it fast. Without what? I wonder where the word wavering comes from. Like the waves of the sea. Nothing waving, not not like the queen's wave. We're not talking about that. We're talking about that wave that just never settles. Nothing wavering for he, God, is faithful that promised. Take another verse. You're still in the Hebrews. Go to chapter 11, verse 11. I'll show you an example. Here's a woman named Sarah. Sarah's married to a man. They're a very elderly couple. And this man keeps saying, we're going to have a baby. And Sarah says, Who, what do you mean we, Kimosabi? <laughs> Do you know she has to trust God that if she does get pregnant, she's going to survive it? Think about that. And yet she does. Verse 11, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was way past due. She's 90 years old having a baby boy because, why was she able to do it? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. You see, if God promises you something and it looks bigger than you can handle, you can write it up. You can say, I believe God, even though I don't think I can do it. I believe God, Sarah says. Do you know the storm does not and cannot break a Christian's faith? It only reveals just how strong our faith is. A Christian's faith faces the storm, doesn't let it go by. You know, when you've got a faith in God, I mean, not just I believe in God, but I trust Him. I trust Him. He wants me in Rome. He's brought me here. This is this is His control. I'm just going to trust Him. The ship can sink. I'll walk on water if I have to. <laughs> That's believing God. Are you listening? Christian faith will smile, rejoice, and rest and continue to believe God as if there's no storm at all. I'd like to get there. (laughs) Isn't that a great goal? Listen to this shackled preacher. He says, you should have listened to me. I mean, you've been listening to each other. You've been testing the wind. You've been... uh, 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 Gauging everything by consensus and by scientific evidence. Paul says, I've just been listening to an old book. I've just been listening to this old King James Bible. I've been listening to the voice of God, and he says we're going to be okay. Amen. Amen. You should have listened to me, but that's okay. 
See, Paul's not one of those wrong kind of preachers who'd say, you know, you deserve what you're going to get. No, he says, guys, I've been praying for you. Isn't it good when just one man prays for 276 people and preserves them? Wow. What one man's faith in God can do for 275 other people. Paul says, you still got a chance? Just believe who I believe in. I believe in the God who made the storm. Amen. I'm asking everybody in this room to trust who I trust. The person I'm trusting walks on waves like this. <laughs> you remember when Peter was on the ship and Jesus came walking to him in that storm, this, the water that Jesus was walking on was not flat. I can't understand how you would do it, but as the waves were going up, and cresting and coming down, Jesus was going up and riding it. Maybe it was, maybe he was riding it like on a surfboard down. I have no idea. I just know he walked on the storm. So Paul said, now Paul wasn't there, but Paul read it and Paul said, that's the God I love and I believe in. You still have a chance if you just trust who I trust. By the way, he says it'll be better than expected. Remember, what did he imagine was was going to happen if they went into this storm. He says, we're going to lose life. There's going to be death. The ship's going to be lost. Everything's going to be disaster. He says, guess what? It'll be better than expected. Hmm. And he says these words, and I wish you would say that when you really start believing God, you're going to be able to say, I am not alone. Even though I may look like it. Paul down there, if you'll look in chapter 27 again, go back to chapter 27, verse 23, he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Do you know, Psalm 37 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. One angel can park all around you and take care of you. Just one. That's all you need. The angel of the Lord. Paul says, I belong to him. I serve him. He's the very reason why I live. And he gave me reason to hope through this storm. You know, when God tells you don't fear, you know what you need to decide? I better not fear. You know how many times Jesus says it to his disciples? Fear not. And I believe me, when you were around Jesus, there were a lot of things to be freaked out about. Okay? He comes through solid doors after the resurrection. I mean... Uh, Jesus has to tell his disciples dozens of times, it's okay, don't be afraid. <laughs> but when he says it, he means it. And, and Jesus told him, not one person was going to die. Therefore, gentlemen, he says, I believe God. And whether anybody else does or not, I'm going to. It's going to be just as my Savior says it's going to be. How many of you are with me? I mean, think of this. It is lightning, storm, the ship is being tossed, everybody's holding on for dear life, and here's this nut in the middle of the ship going, who's with me? <laughs> We're going to be great. We're going to be fine. It is extreme. Now, God does extremes like that. I don't think that tomorrow you're going to be facing the cancer ward. Tomorrow you're going to be facing a firing squad. Tomorrow a nuclear war is about to start. That is not where we need to go. <laughs> Just whatever disaster you're in, you're going to have to choose. You're going to trust yourself. You're going to trust the ships you're in. The ships are, could be your doctor, could be you could be trusting your church, could be trusting technology. I know people are saying, we're going to get rid of disease. They really believe this. They've got this new genetic designer out called CRISPR, which actually edits genes. And it's actually in progress, folks. This is not conspiracy. This is real stuff going on. There are biochemical engineers who run genetic codes through an almost machine that edits out diseases. You know what the problem with that is? People will believe that they'll get rid of diseases. They're just going to create more problems. Don't trust in the ship, folks. You need a savior. Paul says, I just believe God. And let me say this, 
Paul got to hear the very voice of Jesus. I've never had that privilege yet. One day I will. One day I'll see him face to face. (laughs) One day I'll hear his voice. But right now, where do I go to find his voice? Right in that book. He put his words already in that book. You don't need to go listening for something else. You don't need to go finding somebody who will tell you what God said. You can find out for yourself in the Bible. Question is, will you believe what it says when the Bible says you must be born again? Isn't that funny? The Bible says you must be born again. And I know a lot of people will go, I'm waiting for God to speak to me. You dummy, he already has. He's already said, flee from the wrath to come. You believe it? He's already said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. He's already said, come unto me, all, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's already said, God is faithful, who will not tempt you above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Do you believe God? You know, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for a voice from heaven. That's a wasted wait. He's already spoken. Now, you have to be honest. This was the hardest struggle for those men. Look at verse 27, back in Acts 27, verse 27. But when the 14th night was come, I don't think these guys have slept more than an hour a day. For 14 nights. When the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that we drew near to some country. And they sounded, which means they dropped a a uh, sounding rope down to find out how deep it was, and they found it 20 fathoms. So far, so good. 20 fathoms, I forget how far that is. But and when they had gone a little further, now sounded again, and found it 15 fathoms, which means they're getting close to the coast. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast out four anchors out of the stern, and they wished for the day. It's nighttime. They're, 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 they're sailing blind, which would be impossible. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. Am I in the wrong verse? Sorry. I'm in uh, verse 30. Sorry. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they're all giving up. They're all panicking. When they had let down the boat into the sea, they had one, this boat with 276 people, they had one safety boat. What's that called? A, a lifeboat. They let down that one boat into the sea under color, in disguise, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. Paul said to Centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Look what happens. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and they let her fall off. What are those soldiers deciding to do? Trust the preacher. That is the only hope left. And they cut it off. You know, sometimes you wonder, well, what is everybody going to think if I if I get saved? What is everybody going to? What, will my boss keep me on the job? I mean, I know I'll be a lunatic if I get saved. Um, uh, what's what my wife going to think? You're thinking about everything. You know, God says, cut it all off, and you and God do business and settle your soul's destiny. Don't you worry about any kind of extra backouts, any plan Bs. You know, I'll try Jesus. You don't try him. He's either Lord or he's not. So here they cut off the ship and down it goes and they let her fall off. Verse 33, and while it was day, while the day was coming on, Paul besought them. The sun is starting to rise. They can't see it. The storm is still blowing, but they know it's day because it's starting to get brightly gray. And he besought them all to take meat, to eat, saying, this day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. How many of you have taken a shower and seen 400 hairs down at the bottom? I've never seen a shower where there wasn't at least one. I mean, you say, Pastor, how are you talking about things? Because the Bible does. The Bible makes the promise to these men saying, not one of your hairs is going to be lost in this shower. Amen. That's how good God was going to take care of them. Think about it. Paul's just encouraging these men. And you got to say, they're struggling. Can God really be trusted? Honestly. The, the devils believe in God. Every religion believes in some sort of God. How can you, how can you tell me to believe your God over all the other gods? 
So these men didn't instantly decide to believe Paul. Trying to trust a, a, a new God called Jesus. But after 14 days of no food, no sleep, here's Paul smiling. And he says, hey, this sandwich sure is good. Anybody else want some? <laughs> In the middle of that stormy night, it got worse. The, um, the, the shoreline is just off the, the, the boat. They're, they're gonna be smashed against those rocks. They're all gonna die. It's all going on in their mind. They're panicking and Paul says, let's eat. <laughs> so I had this thought. Are you ready? So I can find it. But it was in here. Basically, a good, solid, what did I say? I put it up on Twitter this morning. Good, solid faith in God will um, will um, bring rest to the panicking and even settle an upset stomach. They were able to eat. When was the last time you were panicking and worried and stressed out and you couldn't eat? You know, good, solid trust in God. Settle that stomach and say, you know what, I do need to eat. Some of the sailors saw their chance to escape. They tried to use a lifeboat, and that's when a centurion, this man who's in charge of this ship and bringing those sailors to Rome, he looks out there and he says, cut off the ropes. He says, Paul, we're believing you. What a thing. This man is making what we call a, 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 um, uh, a crisis conversion. This centurion is deciding, I'm trusting God in the storm. Because he knew... I've got no other second chance. If you, if you, if you only realize how good God is being to you right now with everything going maybe so well, I have no idea. Don't wait for the disaster to hit. But this centurion's got a chance and he decides, I'm believing in Paul. That's a great thing. And by the way, I like it when men get saved. I like it when real men stand up and at all risks says, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Whoever Paul is following is who I'm going to follow. Amen. I'm sick and tired of only children deciding to get born again. It's really nice when grown men say, you know, I've had enough of the military. I've had enough of the politicians. I've had enough of all of the, the, the false gods and the, the, uh, the, the religions and everything that goes around. I want something that works. And if, if Jesus is God, I'll follow him. Amen. Amen. And that didn't come without a hard struggle. And if you ever get saved... Some of you are saved and you're glad for it, but you remember when that battle before you got saved was intense, wasn't it? Amen. You're in good company. But you know, when you get saved, let me review the the greatest results. Look at verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And the ship is tossed up and down. And when he had broken, he began to eat. Then were they of all good cheer. How many of them are happy? Every single one of them. And they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. Added up, it's 276 souls. These were not just people. These were eternal souls. And when they had eaten enough, they didn't just get a bite. I mean, they were eating to the full, they lightened the rest of the ship and cast out the wheat, even their food, into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and they made toward shore. Who are they trusting now? Trusting God. Let's get to shore. If we're going to be okay, I'd rather trust God than stay in that storm. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. I mean, they picked up speed and they got it going as fast as it could and they ran right into a, to a wedge. The fore part of the ship stuck fast and remained immovable, but the hinder part of the ship was broken now with the violence of the waves that were smashing against it. The soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners. There's always somebody who says, kill them all. (laughs) 
lest any of them should swim out and escape, but the centurion willing to save Paul. I like Paul. (laughs) He's my buddy. I'm keeping him around. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose, commanded that that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land and the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship, which were plenty. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Very quickly, they stayed together. You know, you know how people get saved? You know how I know people get saved? They hold together. They didn't go running off. They didn't go in the escaping anymore. They decided, listen, if we're going to believe God, we're going to believe God together. Amen. I don't like people who believe uh, that they're saved and they're Christian, and yet they won't go to church. They won't send it to the preaching of somebody who's flawed and imperfect, and they always nitpicking and saying, didn't say that right. You know, I wonder if you're saved. Because Christians, these are, these are sinners. They're, they're hardened sailors. They're wealthy, powerful, insignificant, unknown people all together, but they're together. That's a church. Amen. They relaxed. They had something to eat. Aren't you glad when we have a picnic or a fellowship? Amen. <laughs> they actually ate to their fill. Even though the ship was still sinking. Paul publicly thanked and praised God for where they were and for the gift of that little bit of food. Wow, man. Look what faith did. Made them thankful. Unbelievable. How do you thank God for a storm? I think Paul was thanking God because he was watching all those sailors under the preaching of the gospel coming up close to him saying, Paul, I'm trusting your God. The captain told the told the uh, the captain told his sailors, aim for that spot. Let's wedge the ship in there and let's 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 get as close as we can. I mean, listen, if you're a ship captain, you know what you do when the storm comes, Tony. When a when a hurricane ever came to Ireland, do you know you don't park the ship in the shore? You know where you take the ship out to sea. Isn't that normal? So he's like, we're going to wedge it in that that thing and we're going to lose the ship. Here's the owner deciding to get rid of his ship for those souls. Pretty cool. Now, you got to understand, why would the soldiers want all these prisoners dead? Because they're murderers. They're dangerous. These are prisoners. And if they escape, they would cause havoc. they start murdering more. So the normal thing is, if you ever get in a shipwreck, the rule book said, kill them all. So it wasn't the most evil thing to do. But the centurion says, no, that's what the rule says. But I'm going to trust God that Paul said all of them would be saved alive. Let's see what happens. How many of you remember when Paul and Silas were in prison and they prayed, the doors were open, everybody's chains were loosed? Where did all the prisoners in that prison go? They stayed. Something happens in the heart of a person when they get saved, folks. You're not perfect, but you're different. And you don't just flee and run away and and, and go back into sin. You struggle, you sin from time to time, but you don't go back to it. Amen. Everyone, I mean, everyone's risking their life. The storm's blowing around, and the cat and the captain and the, the centurion says, get to the shore. And they got into that water, the stormy water, the dangerous most. You just can't imagine how dangerous that was with all the pieces of the boat floating around in there. And they made it. You know what heaven's going to be? A surprise for some of you. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) Don't let it be a surprise, folks. And it was all because of one man who believed God. I wonder if your family's watching you and looking at you. And your great faith could have such an impact. I wonder, could they not see that kind of faith? Shouldn't they? You know, the Bible says, only the fool says there's no God. But let me say something a little more targeted. There are many more foolish people who refuse to trust God. A fool says, there's no God. But there's some stupid people who say, I'm not going to trust him. I'll trust my wits. I'll trust my own strength. I'll trust my technology. Jesus asks us to trust him. Go to John chapter 16. You can finish in Acts. John chapter 16. John 16 and verse 33. 
These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have, what's another word for tribulation? Be storms, disasters, troubles, heartaches, just, just devastating things. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What is Jesus asking us to do? Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Don't say you believe in him. Trust him. Abraham did. God said, let's go, Abraham. Abraham says, where are we going? He says, I'll tell you when we get there. <laughs> I, I tell you what, that's great faith. Amen. Paul did. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know him and I believed in him and he's able. You know, when you're tempted, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not tempt you above that which you're able. You need to believe God. Don't believe your weaknesses. Don't believe your past. Don't believe the, the, uh, the, the whispers of the devil. Believe God. When you're alone, Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? When the storm is going on a little longer than you expected, believe God. Amen? You know, when I see, when I see somebody going through what looks like hell on earth, man, there's no greater joy than when they look through those dark clouds and they look through teary eyes and they say, but I believe God still. I'm still, I'm still letting Him hold on to me. When you have little or no faith, Mark 9 has a man whose son is, is, is trying to kill himself. And Jesus said, if you just believe, he'll be all right. And the man says what a lot of us say. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Which of the four beliefs do you currently have? Belief in yourself? Belief in the ships? These modern things that everybody sits and rides on and holds on to, their job and their the economy and their family and everything going well, your ship will go down one day. You believe in your sweat? Well, I'll just pick myself up. I'll be a Donald Trump. I'll bankrupt and I'll start all over and go right ahead. You'll not start all over when you die. Or do you have a complete faith in the Savior? Faith is only as good as the Savior you're trusting in. Amen. You can waste all your time believing in yourself. That's a wasted faith. You put it, put it all on Jesus Christ. The Christian faith is a faith in Christ Jesus and just what he's promised. Do you even know what he's promised you? Why do you push on us to read our Bible? So you know what he's promised you. So you know what he means. I know the hardest struggle you ever have is to decide to just believe God. That'll be the hardest struggle you'll ever have. Have you heard from God lately? Did you ever just sit and listen to him as you read your Bible? Hmm. Think about it. Will you do more than just believe from this day forward? Will you decide to trust him when the storm hits? Father, we bow before you. Kind of, maybe, and, and really, Lord, I'm very aware that some people are in the midst of a terrible storm. Others have gone through storms. Others are just heading into storms. They don't know it. That wind's starting to go a little contrary. Things aren't quite working out like we want. Or maybe we're just struggling in our storm and it just goes on and on and on. What do we do? Well, this was a long chapter, but I think you wrote every single word of what we just read so that we would take it and increase our faith. We would take it and decide, I'm going to believe God. I go to the doctor. I eat right. I want to do right. I live by the Word of God. I, I try to do all these things, but in the end, none of it do I trust. I trust you, Father. I trust that when I fail, I trust when I fall, I trust when when things fall apart. You'll hold me together. You'll make it all worthwhile. I still believe, Romans 8, 28, that you're going to make all things work together for good. To them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. God, I just ask you. We, we decide we're going to believe God. That we, we may not be able to say it right now. 
one of these days we will stand up and say, I do believe God. Not just in Him, but I trust Him. Because He's seen me through time after time. And if He's faithful, then I can be too. Lord, if there's if that's not a God that somebody can believe in for salvation, I don't know what else there is. And if there's someone in this room who'd say, all right, today's the day. I believe God too. I'm like those hardened sailors. I've been sitting there so hard, never going to be moved, never going to be interested in any kind of religion or any kind of God. But I've seen what God can do, and I've never seen a God who can do that. Father, you didn't calm the storm here. You didn't help Paul to walk on water. You just gave faith. You just gave them what they needed to get through the storm. And that's what we need. And somebody needs him to get into heaven, to get born again. Oh, that somebody would trust you today. In Jesus' name. Stand with me.